Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, one and all. This is Robert Rogers, and you have just connected to Parkinson's Recovery. If you're an individual who is looking for ways to get sustained relief from whatever symptoms that you might be experiencing that are associated with a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease, you've come to the right place at the right time. My guest today is an incredible individual. She, in just several weeks from now, will be attempting to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, which for those of you who might be Americans or Canadians and don't know where that is, is the highest peak in Africa. She'll be joining a group of individuals who have the symptoms of Parkinson's currently and also MS individuals. Their leader, Lori Snyder, who lives with MS, has summited the highest peak on each continent. Nan Little attributes her ability to get stronger, more fit, and even more adventuresome with the symptoms of Parkinson's to riding her bike at a high cadence several times per week. She's actually ridden through Iowa, pedaling her bicycle, and in the Pedaling for Parkinson's program has been so successful that starting in July, hold on to your seats, it will be offered by the Mill Creek YMCA in the Seattle area. Hopefully, this idea will proliferate throughout Ys that are located throughout the United States, Canada, Mexico, Asia, and you name it. Nan Little will be talking today about both her adventuresome climb to Mount Kilimanjaro and the opportunity for many individuals to benefit from pedaling for Parkinson's at their respective Y and also at the Y in Seattle. Nan Little, thank you so much for being a guest with us today on this show. It's a real pleasure to be here with you, Robert. How in the world did you get involved in peddling for Parkinson's? Well, like many people, probably most people who are diagnosed with Parkinson's, uh, it was just a real slap in the face and a real downer looking at life, seeing no light at the end of the tunnel. And then a friend of ours saw a clip on the NBC Evening News uh, gee, in the fall of 2008, and he sent it to us. It was about the work of Dr. J. Alberts at the Cleveland Clinic, and Dr. Alberts had just by mistake actually discovered there was a correlation between a high RPM on cy- in cycling and the diminution of Parkinson's symptoms. So a lot of people saw this clip and contacted him. I was one of them. Uh, I persisted, as I want to do, and uh, at Gee, the next spring, by the spring of 2009, he invited my husband and myself to go along on RAGBRAI, the Register's annual great bike ride across Iowa, which would be 450 miles with a 22,500-foot elevation gain. You'd ride for a week and, and cover all this distance. And without thinking too much, I said, sure. Then I realized, uh, wait a minute, you're 62 years old, you've got Parkinson's disease, and what are you thinking about? So I decided I really better start training harder than his protocols called for. And I got on the bike and just started riding and riding and riding. And within a month, I went to see my doctor, and he said, if I didn't know you had Parkinson's, I wouldn't know you had Parkinson's. So that's how I got involved with pedaling for Parkinson's and Dr. J. Alberts. Had you always been riding a bike throughout your life, or was this really a new adventure for you? Well, I'd ridden a bike. I bicycle commuted to my work at the University of Washington, but that's all of three miles or two and a half most of the time. So that could hardly be called being a cyclist. I'd been on one a little bit longer trip the year before, but again, nothing like uh, this sort of cycling. And as for the rest of it, I'm just uh, sort of the average athlete. Uh, I've never excelled at anything. I've never been terrible at anything. And uh, I just you know, it's not. I have not lived the life of an athlete by any means. You mentioned that this experience made a huge difference to your symptoms. Talk, tell us more about how this exercise affected you physically as well as mentally. 
Well, let's start with physical. Um, by the time I heard about Dr. Alberts, when I walked, my arm was stiff at my side. My fingers would often cramp. My toes would cramp on my right foot, and I stumbled and shuffled. Uh, of course, was bent over. I could turn my head about 90 degrees, no further than that, and it was just excruciatingly painful to put on a, a safety belt, for example. So driving was not the safest thing for me to do, or certainly uh, riding a bike on a road. Um, by the time I, I, well, after I did the cycling for about a month, it, it uh, pretty intensely, um, I was walking along with my dogs, and I looked down and saw my arm was swinging, my hand was unclenched, I could move my head more than 180 degrees, uh, I was standing up straight, my my feet were going heel-toe instead of stubbing my toes. I just started to cry. I was so excited to think that I had my body working again. I think about anybody would cry. It was quite an emotional experience. Mentally, I had gone through a period where I actually couldn't read for almost a year. I could decode words. I could read out loud and, and say the words, but if you asked me what they were or you know what the story or the, the book was about or who wrote it or even the title, I was uh, not able to respond. It was very difficult to speak in complete sentences, and certainly to maintain a thought in a paragraph was very difficult as well. So I had all of these thoughts that I was losing my mind, and I probably was. Um, after I started cycling, um, all that came back. And I, I used to work at the university, so um, I was accustomed to reading a great deal. It was uh, more than a little disconcerting to not be able to think and read properly. So this was an amazing thing to have just get on a bike and have these faculties come back. I have personally never uh, ridden my bike across any state or certainly any country. <laughs> I'm thinking that, you know, if I were to choose a state to ride my bike across, I could think of perhaps New Hampshire, maybe Delaware, but Iowa is... It's a pretty big state, especially if you're going from east to west or west to east. So why ride across Iowa? Well, Dr. Alberts was born in Iowa, grew up in Iowa, and was very familiar with this RAGBRAI, the oldest uh, cross-state multi-day bike ride in the country. And uh, that's that's where he was. So he had talked some of his friends into riding across Iowa in 2003 in this RAGBRAI. And uh, one guy came with his wife, who had Parkinson's. Um, to make a long story short, Jay ended up riding the front of the bike with Kathy on the back because Kathy and her husband kept falling over, I'm told. And um, about halfway through the week, Kathy said, look, at, you know, something's changing with my Parkinson's symptoms, so um, something's happening here. And that got Jay going on the research. Um, so he's invited a group of people to be part of Pedaling for Parkinson's and ride RAGBRAI each year since, and we got lucky. We rode in 2009 and 2010, and we'll be back, uh, if all goes well, in 2012. For those of you whose interest has been piqued in Dr. J. Albert's research on forced exercise, listen to the show that aired several years ago with him as a guest. He gives a an, an fascinating explanation of the origins of his work and the fascinating discoveries that he's actually making. As I'm sitting here doing the show, I'm in Olympia, Washington. You're actually in Seattle. I'm looking across the Puget Sound, and I can see a beautiful image of Mount Rainier, <laughs> And I'm thinking, well, there's Mount Rainier here. That's pretty close to Seattle. I'm wondering why you decided to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, which, of course, is in Africa, not even in the United States. Well, I can tell you, Robert, it was not on my bucket list. Uh, I never <laughs> considered going to Africa. I'd certainly never climbed a mountain. Uh, I would not have picked Kilimanjaro for my first try. I had climbed up to Camp Muir once on Mount Rainier and did it again on last Sunday, so I'm still a little exhausted from doing that. But um, I was inspired by Lori Schneider and a woman named Sierra Ferris, who is a physical therapist here. Sierra heard about Lori Schneider and her remarkable exploits of climbing the highest peak on every continent, including Everest, uh, with MS. She's the only woman to have done such a thing, the only person with MS to have done such a thing. And Lori decided that she would provide an inspirational experience for people with MS. So she arranged that um, 
there would be a group of folks with MS who would go climb Mount Kilimanjaro. And then Sierra heard about this, and she said, well, maybe a couple people with PD could go along too. So she approached me, and I asked John Carlin, and the two of us signed up to go. He's uh, been on your show before. And um, then a couple of other folks with MS apparently dropped out, and they've added a couple more people with Parkinson's. So at this point, we have four people with Parkinson's going up Kilimanjaro, and uh, I think there are nine or ten who have MS who will be part of the group. So we'll learn a great deal about people who have MS, and presumably they'll learn a lot about Parkinson's as well. Uh, we're just blessed to have such a wonderful leader in Lori to inspire us to go up this mountain. I have personally uh, been up uh, to the lodge at the top of Mount Rainier, and I've had binoculars and seen the Camp Mirror that you mentioned that you apparently uh, <laughs> climbed up to last week. And I want all the listeners to know it's a pretty far distance up there. <laughs> you have to have binoculars to actually see this. So uh, you you have climbed mountains before Mount Kilimanjaro, although I guess for Rainier you weren't actually up at the peak. No, I didn't go to the peak. I'd gone 28 years ago. I climbed to the 10,000-foot level, which is Camp Muir, and then I did it again on Sunday uh, 28 years ago, there was no snow. It was in the summer. On Sunday, it was all snow right from the parking lot where you were in the, that lodge uh, all the way up to the top of the mountain. So it was wet, sloggy snow. It was hard hiking. There was no question about it. We were tired. It took 10 hours. <laughs> I bet. That's a rigorous climb, to be sure. Area code 303. You are on the air. Amen. Hey, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Good. This has got to be John Carlin. I'm thinking the same. Hi, John, how are you? <laughs> hey, Robert, how's it going? Great. I was having a little difficulty technical on my computer, so that's why I'm late. It's wonderful that you're able to join us. I wasn't sure you were going to be here, so I didn't oh, know yeah. where to tell listeners, John will be on here too because they're both climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. This will be an exciting adventure for everybody. Oh, isn't that the truth? So I have a question I want to ask each of you. Uh, Nan, what are you doing to prepare for the climb, both physically and mentally? Well, physically, we're climbing steps. I talked to a mountain climber here in Seattle and asked him what uh, he would recommend, and he just had a one-word answer, and that was steps. So near us, we have a hill climb that has 388 steps on it. So we go up and down that five times, several times a week. Uh, we climb local mountains around here, and like I say, we did the uh, uh, Camp Muir last Sunday. Um, we also uh, walk around the neighborhoods, uh, and of course, I'm bicycling about every other day now. Not as much as I normally bike, but I still have to keep biking or, or I'll have trouble with my PD. And, John, Carlin, what are you doing to prepare for this incredible adventure to climb Mount Kilimanjaro in just several weeks from now? Well, I'd like to say we're climbing the 14ers here in Colorado, but there's so much snow this past winter that nobody's been able to get up there unless you're a, you fly up on a helicopter. We've been um, What we've been doing is we've got a place called Red Rocks Amphitheater. So, like Nan's talking about doing the stairs, we do the steps there. Um, we've got a two-and-a-half-mile loop around our neighborhood, that we do at least once or twice a week, uh, twice, so we get five miles out of it. And then um, in the front range, which is just where the mountains start here in Denver, they've got seven to 10,000-foot little baby peaks that we've been, we've been tackling. And Martha, my wife, has been uh, going after the stair-stepper like, with a vengeance. <laughs> So that's sort of what we're, and, and I'm like Nan, I'm riding my spinning bike uh, to keep the beast at bay, which, uh, we, you know, is, is Jay's baby. I think the other thing you asked, uh, Robert, was what are we doing mentally? And for me, what I'm doing mentally is being physical. And I just figure if I'm in good shape, good physical shape, then there's a pretty good chance that we'll be able to make it to the top, and that's what I do mentally. Uh, Lori says that we should recite the little engine that could, but that's not quite what I'm doing. <laughs> we're, all, we're also exercising going to REI. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Right, our credit card is getting a lot of exercise. <laughs> oh, I bet. Got back there today, and it was it was ugly. Uh oh. Yeah. Now, how long does it take to climb Mount Kilimanjaro? I guess we're talking about more than just a few hours here. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, the whole hike will take a week. They're giving us an extra day because of all the people who have uh, PD and MS on this journey. Um, we'll take, what is it, five and a half days getting up. The, uh, then, then we get up about six, no, about two in the morning. We leave on the last day. We hike, they estimate, eight to ten hours to get to the top. And it's not that it's so many steps, but you have to take three deep breaths for every step. So it takes a long time to get to the top. Then you get to the top, and you're there, and you take pictures and say, wahoo, and uh, you're amazed that you did it, and you turn around and hike another six to eight hours down on the same day. So that day is the killer. And then the next day you just hike out. Man, I thought there was a water slide on the backside. That's what I was told. <laughs> John, if there were only scree and we had heavy canvas, it would be great, but uh, I'm afraid That's for sure. we're going to have to walk down it. Well, it sounds like it's going to be a truly awesome experience. Are we get, going to have the advantage of seeing any video clips of this experience once you get done? Um, I'm planning on bringing our video stuff. And, and a lot of people are bringing video cameras, and right. uh, we're hoping to put together the footage into some sort of a little documentary type thing. The thing I didn't mention on the mountain, Robert, is that it's 19,350 feet. So if you're looking out the window at Mount Rainier, we're going a mile higher than the top of Mount Rainier. It's higher. Yeah, and Rainier is a pretty large, high, tall mountain. So you're talking yeah. about an ambitious adventure, to be sure. Right, we're, so there isn't a whole lot of oxygen up there. We're having right. problems with the, uh, the just getting into practice on higher peaks, so our workouts are right. a lot less just because uh, we've had so much snow and it's starting to come it's starting to to melt that it's just flood, we got flood stages in some of our rivers and uh mm-hmm. it's just not feasible for us to get back to the 14ers. They got a bunch of 12 and 13ers that we're going to try. But uh if if all else fails, we got uh one peak that's like 10,000 that's really easy to get to. Uh, it's called Devil's Head and uh we practice on that a lot besides like Nan was talking about the Red Rocks Amphitheater with the steps. John, you live in Colorado, and of course, Nan, you live here in Seattle. You're going to have a little advantage because you live at a higher elevation, and your body's going to be more accustomed to existing at higher elevations than Nan? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, he's a guy, and he's a lot younger than I am. <laughs> That's right. Um, we, we live at 6,300 feet, so we sort of get a start there. I think base camp is at 6,000, isn't it, Nan? That's right. Yeah, so we'll... Uh, We'll already be somewhat acclimated. I mean, you guys live, what, about a foot above sea level down there in Seattle? I believe because we're on a hill, we're 500 feet above sea level, but yeah. uh, it's not but yeah, we'll have, We're right down by the sound. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, 20 feet, I guess. So we're right at the bottom, I think. Uh, I'd be at the most of, disadvantage if I were going on your trip myself. <laughs> we, we have a little bit of a slight advantage just living up so high at our base camp. So, But right. it's just... It's it's all we can do is just keep the hiking going and get your feet, you know do some ground pound. It's like with the ragbri, how you just get on your seat, you get on your bike and ride and get your butt ready for it. This is you got to get your feet ready and your lungs. Right. And the ragbri, for those of you that don't know that term, is the name of the ride across Iowa. That I believe, John, you're going to have to miss this year because you're going to be in Africa. Well, Nan's a co-rider in that also. So we're, we're both, both missing it this year. You're both yeah. missing it. Right. Hey, Nan, I, I did have a chance to have lunch with Dr. Phil this past week. Yes. So he's, <laughs> he's still talking he's to you, huh? It's, well, no, he is, but begrudgingly. he uh, He's my, uh, Robert, he's the guy I usually share the, the tandem with on the ragbri. Oh, and, oh, and he's a little upset you're not going to be there then. Yes, he is. <laughs> so um, he's uh, we, we got through that over a couple beers. <laughs> and he's uh, he's gonna have to ride at a single this year. So, oh well. But it, it, the rag ride is a very it's it's a lot of fun. A lot of great people on that. And this year they're having 71 riders, whereas last year there's 55 in the group pedaling for Parkinson's. 
Nan, you have been involved uh, with uh, the peddling for Parkinson's at the Y. Tell everyone all about that program. Well, where to start? Um, this is just a fabulous opportunity. Uh, John and I talked about, uh, John and Dr. Alberts and I and, and some others talked a great deal about what to do for other people who have Parkinson's who don't have all the experience or the opportunities that we have to pedal and uh, try to rid themselves or, or diminish the symptoms of their disease. It doesn't cure you, but it certainly makes a difference in your life. Um, and we thought that if we could work with various health clubs or different organizations to set up a program where people could come and they could pedal and be in a group situation, have a leader, um, have monitoring, follow all the rules that, that are really important protocols of being part of pedaling for Parkinson's, then maybe we could uh, make the, a difference in the lives of many, many people. So I used to work at the YMCA and think that absolutely the world of that organization. Plus, there are nearly 3,000 Ys in the United States alone. Plus, all over the world, there are I don't know how many, but but there are you know tons of them all over the world. So once you have a program in the Y system, then it becomes available for every YMCA to duplicate or replicate. Um, I went back to our Y here in Seattle and talked with my former boss, and she introduced me to the new CEO. And He was so excited about the idea of a pedaling for Parkinson's at the Y program that that very same day he sent out an email to the largest Ys in the United States, plus those in Canada and Mexico. And he got immediate response from at least a third of them saying that they were very interested in this program. So we've gone very carefully, taking our time uh, coming up with a licensing agreement to make sure that people who are participating in this program are safe, um, that the staff is well-trained, that everybody knows what the protocols are, and uh, you, know, you, you just want to have it done right. Jay has also figured out a way of measuring long distance using a computer, of measuring the changes in physical and cognitive um, responses for people who are part of this program. So as people join and the program starts, uh, they'll take this little five-minute computer test, and then they'll be able to take that every week, and they'll have a, show a line of what's happening to their Parkinson's. So there are real metrics that are involved in this, which for me is very, very important. It's, it's nice to say, well, I feel better or I'm walking better, but to know that there are real physical changes that are measurable is, is just absolutely great. So we've been working with uh, the various Ys, actually there are a whole bunch of them here and in Ohio and in Michigan that we've been working with. And uh, just last Monday, the Mill Creek Y said that they uh, were going ahead to sign that licensing agreement. So it's all been vetted through the YMCA of the USA, and uh, that's an agreement that can be pretty well plopped down in any Y around the world. We're um, more than a little excited the first program at the Mill Creek Y will start on July 11th. Uh, it'll go for eight weeks, and then they are planning on having somebody who is in the program become a volunteer leader of the next group. So the first group of people will be able to continue pedaling for life. Uh, they can use the Y facility for the rest of their lives, and they'll be able to add a new group every eight weeks. Um, they're waiving the entrance fees, the joining fees for the Y. They're waiving class fees for this, so people just have to pay the monthly membership fee for the Y. So they've uh, rather gone all out to make it a wonderful experience, and uh, I can't tell you how thrilled I am that this is happening. Well, that's an incredible Even, I, opportunity. I sent, this notice, I sent this notice out, and I already got uh, responses back from some of the Ys in Michigan saying that they would have the uh, license agreement to me by the end of the week. So they've been waiting in the wings, ready for this to get <laughs> validated or signed. Pretty exciting. Does a Y have to then purchase or acquire special equipment to be able to mount this program? We are setting it up for people who are basically at level one and level two. So these people should be able to ride spin cycles, solo bikes, uh, like John and I do. Um, we're hoping that each of the Ys will have one tandem bike so that the instructor can be on the tandem and the people who are in the class can uh, understand how it feels to be riding at the cadence. Um, the people who are in the class will need to buy their own heart rate monitors, but the Y bikes generally come with a cadence meter on them, which is the other key thing. Um, 
we're encouraging them to wear bike shoes that have cleats on the bottom, uh, but that's not absolutely necessary. Most of the Y bikes come with pedals that have cages on one side and cleats on the other side. Uh, by wearing cleats, the people will keep their feet in alignment. Otherwise, sometimes the, the legs turn in or out, and uh, you could actually get your heel caught in the spokes if your leg takes a, a turn, an unexpected twist. So by locking your feet into the pedals, um, that's a safer way to do it. Um, so basically the answer to your question is they do not have to buy anything new if they can have a tandem cycle. That would be an expense. Um but other than that, it's it's they already have uh, you know bike studios, spin studios in pretty much every Y. Who can be involved? Well, people with Parkinson's who have an idiopathic form of the disease. Um, the uh, age range is recommended to be age 30 to 75, although exceptions can be made. A uh, person can go to the Y and they'll have a medical form that they have to take to their doctor and have it, him, him or her sign off on their participation in the program. Um, if someone has, uh, um, let's see, low blood pressure, that's uh, not so good. Um, you don't want anybody fainting on the bike, for example. Um, people who have had... Uh, Osteo problems, or you know, their doctor will go through the whole. There's a like a two-page checklist that they go through and uh, check off the people who who can or cannot be participants in the program. But my recommendation is that it's generally people who um, are at level one and two, and who can stay, sit up on a bike by themselves without uh, anybody holding on, uh, and people who have a lot of determination. When you refer to level one and two, that's a reference to the stages of Parkinson's, and those are the two early earlier stages. That's and, right. Uh, as as it's defined, can a spouse or family member, father or uncle or aunt or family member, also participate in the program along with the individual who is uh, going to join because they currently have the symptoms of Parkinson's? It, it depends on how many bikes they have available. Um, the Mill Creek Y, for example, has 16 bikes, and if they have 16 people to fill up the class, then the answer would be no to your question. If they have, you know, 30 or more people, or you know, whatever amount of people they said, they would add classes uh, based on demand. But the program is really basically set up for the people with Parkinson's. I think another good point about having it just for people with Parkinson's is that. Uh, there's a cadre, a whole sense of family that develops among the patients when you're in a program like this. And that's a really important bond. If there are other folks in there, then that might be a little harder to achieve. I don't know. That's a good question, though. I, I think each Y will um, answer it their own way. I, sus I suspect some of the uh, family members and spouses will be asking that question to the various mm -hmm. Ys uh, that are going to be sponsoring these programs. Do you expect the pedaling for Parkinson's at the Y programs to spread throughout the country? Well, it's certainly my hope. Um, the answer that I got yesterday after just sending out the, uh, the notice that it, the first program had been approved, uh, the first answer came from Grand Haven, Michigan, that they would have their contracting by the end of the week. I've spoken with the uh, CEO and staff of the Cleveland YMCA, Ann Arbor, uh, Seattle. Um, I think that's it so far. So I just happened to be back east and met with all these other folks, and they were all just kind of waiting in the wings. The other type of group that's involved is uh, wellness centers. So John has been working with Wellness Center, and uh, another friend of ours, another Doug, has been working out east uh, with Duke University Wellness Center. So it's not limited to the Y. It's just that uh, this licensing agreement was set up with the Y so that everybody who sees it would know that it's been vetted by you know, that national organization, which carries a lot of weight. Um, but we're more than willing to work with other organizations as well. I think out in Grand Haven, they have three organizations, the Y, uh, a care center, and an elder center, that are all going to be working together to provide different levels of support for people with Parkinson's. So peddling for Parkinson's will be one of a um, sort of a melange, a group of support pieces for people with Parkinson's, which is so cool. There's a place for all these organizations. 
Well, it sounds then like a reason why this has taken off like wildfire through the Y is because of your former association with them, Nan. And then, John, you're, it sounds like, exploring other organizations as possibilities uh, to implement these programs. Exactly. I mean, like, for instance, we've got roughly 17,000 people up and down in Colorado that have PD, and you know there's there's a good number of those folks, just from what I've talked to people about, that want to get uh, on on their bike, shall we say, because it's just it's it's open to anybody that wants that can, and really wants to continue on. And you know, it's, what's one of the funny things we talk about um, that the downside of this is you lose weight and you get in shape. <laughs> But it's—I mean—it is for anybody that can get on a bike and start pedaling. Um, there's there's a beginning level, like Nan talked about, um, on a tandem. If that person can't get quite up to speed with a spinning bike or a regular bike on a trainer, but we what we've seen is that once you get off that tandem, you can get on that that spinning bike and pedal by yourself in in the in the classes. So, and we're working with a couple of different other groups too, starting out here. So it's just it's it's not really res- restrictive to any to anybody. And what is there like 1.5 million people across the country that have PD? That's what they say. Yeah, with a whole bunch yeah. more being added every year as our population ages. Right. Last time we had you on the show, John, you had just returned from a three-week uh, trip to Italy. And you uh, repeated uh, uh, regularly how frustrating it was because you really weren't able to do the spinning and exercising that had given you so much compelling relief. So it sounds like once these programs get in place, uh, it's not just a question of taking an eight-week class and saying, I'm done, that's it, my symptoms are controlled. It's a question of making it really a lifestyle practice. It definitely is. Yeah, because it's it's like you just said, when I was in Italy, it was hard. I didn't even get up and bike anywhere. And when I got done with it, I was like, geez, I'm sort of feeling this a little bit. But I, I, I think that as long as as long as it takes for you to get up to, up to speed and stay there, it takes you, like if you go on a trip somewhere, um, it takes you just that much long to get out, out, of, out of shape. So... Um, if you keep, I mean, I'm, I'm in this for life, like Nan is. It's, it's a common, common, you know, four times a week at the house here. I'm spinning, and it's it's just a life-changing opportunity for anyone who has PD that uh, you, you just this is I'll take this to my grave. Uh, maybe I'll bury me with my bike, but I'm not sure about that. Be a waste of a bike. Yeah, really. <laughs> Pedaling at who knows where. Right, right. Well, you might want it with you after all, then. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a life changing thing, and it, once you get through, like like you guys said, the eight week course, it's like okay, now it's time to pedal. For part this is part of your your daily ritual or your weekly ritual. That's one reason is, why it's so cool that the Y is moving to having the eight week class followed by, you know, lifetime access to the cycles at the Y and and having the group maintain itself as a group, um, just go at a different time. Um, so each group that goes through can keep, continue as a group um, in their cycling program for life. You know, it fits in because it's an hour program. And basically any programs that you have at rec centers or uh, wellness centers or the Y, they're basically an hour also. So it fits right in there with it, with their programming. Right. At the Mill Creek YMCA, the first program that is about to launch, is that filled up yet, or do people have a chance to enroll? Oh, they still have a chance to enroll. We just signed the licensing agreement on Monday, and this is That's Wednesday. what I was thinking. So, so, uh, you were uh, advertising that this is available. So what an opportunity. Fees are waived. It's a chance to uh, really be a pioneer of uh, establishing this entire program, not only in Seattle, but since it's the first, it'll be the model for what's going to happen in the rest of the country. That's right. Uh, not all the fees are waived. Let's clarify that. The joining fee for the Y and the, um, the, the monthly. still paying their monthly fee. Yeah, no they have to. Fee. 
Right, to be, participate, you've got to have uh, some kind of uh, enrollment and membership, but there's no extra class uh, fee for the class, it sounds like, which is uh, That's right. wonderful. And usually wonderful. there's a joining fee, you know, like I'm going to become a member of the YSO, there's a joining fee. They're waiving the joining fee. Wow, that's absolutely incredible. You have mentioned contact with a number of Ys throughout the United States. I've heard the states of Michigan and Ohio, uh, to name just a few, uh, referred to. But there are other listeners who live in other states like New Mexico and Florida and Texas and Louisiana, states that weren't mentioned. What can they do to be able to uh, encourage their Y to become a Parkinson's for peddling participant in this program? Well, I would encourage them to first go to the Pedaling for Parkinson's webpage, and that's P-E-D-A-L-I-N-G, Pedaling, F-O-R, Parkinson's, uh, with no apostrophe but with an S, dot org, and see what the program is about. So pedalingforparkinsons.org, check it out. There will be a link on that website now to the Mill Creek YMCA so they can see the program, they can see the brochure that they have uh, created for this. Um, check it out, and then go to their local YMCA and say, okay, this is what's going on here. Show show them the website and encourage them to uh, contact me if they're interested in starting a program. And since this is now a certified Y program, they're not going to have to go through all of the challenges that you went through in order to be able to get this first program started. Exactly. That's the point. It's sort of a drop-in model at this point. And we're really, really proud of the Mill Creek people, um, just a wonderful folks to work with. So that's uh, that model is set, and they can um, you know, follow the model that's already established and approved by the National Y. Well, Nanlu, how do people contact you in order to get further information? Uh, my email is nan, N-A-N, dot little, L-I-T-T-L-E, at comcast.net. And I'm also on the Pedaling for Parkinson's webpage. You mentioned that other organizations, uh, such as health clubs, are certainly eligible to consider starting the Pedaling for Parkinson's programs. Tell us all more about that idea and that possibility. Well, um, a few weeks ago I went to Michigan for a visit, and a patient had heard about me, I believe, on this show, and uh called me and asked if I would please come to Grand Haven. So I did, and uh, she had arranged with a woman named Holly Lookabaugh uh, to have a program happen at her um, Generation Care website, or or, excuse me, facility. I'm looking up the thing on my computer at the same time, so, oh gosh, let's see if I can walk and chew gum. yeah, so Holly agreed to have the have my presentation there, and they said they would have two presentations, and they hoped that maybe 10 or 15 people would show up. Well, uh, let's see, it was 125 people, I think, came to the Generation Care for the two programs. I also met with the Y there and with uh, NOCA, which is a, a senior citizens program. So Holly writes, and she says, Gen Care, the Y, and NOCA have met and agreed that our organizations fit together perfectly with the common vision and important differences in the services we provide. I've created a model for seamless, excellent quality care for PWP across the spectrum, which will include programming with pedaling, dancing, the loud and big certified programs, caregiver education, and more. So they're going to have a focus group and uh, figure out the details by the end of the month, and she'll send in the agreement this week. So, you know, it was one of those things where they were thinking, well, you know, who's this lady coming from Seattle? Okay, we'll sort of pay attention to her. But the response from their general population was overwhelming, and they just sort of looked at each other and said, hey, let's work together. Let's make this happen. It's amazing how responsive folks are to this when you start talking to them. Really? There's so many of these exercise organizations, too. I mean, just locally, when you drive down the street, there are a number of health clubs. And I'm thinking then that there must be an opportunity to establish these programs in health clubs and organizations throughout the uh, the world, for that matter. Well, it's, it's, it's simple. I mean, it's, it's the plug-and-play type of, of program. You know, you've, you've got it all developed for them. And oh, it's a matter of them saying yes. 
The other thing is we don't charge for the program. We don't charge for the partnership. That's a little so, different than most groups. So basically what people need to do is just to take some action and uh, get the information and initiate a program where they live. Exactly. Right, and in order to have it be peddling for Parkinson's, it needs to be. They need to sign a license agreement, and uh, it's pretty specific. Uh, definitely written by lawyers, and uh, we want to make sure that everybody is safe doing the program, and that they uh, are able to achieve the outcomes that uh, we hope that they can achieve. That the research has shown are achievable by doing this program. People are able then to track with this equipment their progress across time. Are you going to be able to capture all of that data and information so that you can have some summary of the results? That's a really part of the uh, important part of the program is this thing called iComet, which Dr. Alberts has designed along with some other folks. And uh, when somebody joins the Peddling for Parkinson's program, they sign up for iComet as well. They get a password and, and uh, you know their their entry code and all that, so they can just sit down at a computer and uh, log in to the website and log in with their own private password. Um, they take the test and every week, and uh, it shows what changes are happening to them over time. Uh, we have the aggregate information from all the people around the country, around the world, who are taking this test. So we'll be able to track, or we, I say, Dr. Alberts will be able to track. Uh, what's happening with all these folks? So the, the test is a, a pencil and paper test where a person is being asked certain questions, no. No, or it's, it's a physical. A, it's it's, it's a physical. literally it's it's a funny little test. I've done one similar to it in a research program that I'm in for Parkinson's. Um, you basically, sit at the computer with a mouse, and by moving the mouse from A to one to B to two to C to three, um, that sort of thing. Um, and varying levels of complexity, they can tell by how you move the mouse and how long it takes you to decide to go from place to place any changes in your physical and cognitive uh, behaviors. That really is simple. so absolutely cool. <laughs> it takes like five minutes. It's just so easy uh, uh, to do. I mean, and yet you can see how, okay, if your line is jiggling all over the place and then it smooths out, then you know that something's happening, uh, you know, physically. And if you take a long time to get from one step to the next and then that time shortens up, then you know that there are cognitive changes. Is that cool or what? That is so absolutely cool. I know there are many listeners that have a strong preference for participating in research programs. Let me emphasize then that what you're going to be getting if you step forth in whatever city or town that you live in and say, I want to start one of these programs, you're not only helping yourself, you're not only helping other people in, that happen to live in your same town or city, you are also participating in what sounds like is now a global research program where Dr. Alberts is, in conjunction with Nan Little and John Carlin and many others, are able to actually document the effects of these kinds of programs. That's totally amazing. I am so impressed. Well, we're starting with one program. It's lovely to think of it as a global program, Robert, but it's not I quite there I, yet. But I hopefully it will be soon. We just set the intention. And, of there you course, go. on, on the show, people, you know, people from all countries listen. And so what you need to do is to begin to realize that you can tap into the same technology and, of course, you can uh, connect up with uh, Nan Little and or John Carlin and get additional support and information, join up with the Pedaling for Parkinson's and uh, become a part of what is an ambitious and a very creative idea for documenting the effects of exercise on individuals who currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's. It is typically very difficult to get funding for research projects like this. So your approach is amazing. It will work miracles in terms of demonstrating to people the incredible benefits that this kind of activity can have. Well, be sure to give full credit to Dr. Alberts because he figured this all out. Right, right. Well, he uh, he's doing miraculous work, there's no doubt about it, and has obviously come up with this idea here several years ago. So uh, the work you are all doing is, for me, absolutely amazing and incredible. 
And it also sounds to me like uh, if we take, for example, an individual who happens to live in Nevada and is thinking, oh, I'd like to start one of these programs, it sounds like this is not going to take a great deal of energy or effort or time on their part to just get this started if they want to be able to make that happen in a why. Am I right about that? I think that's the case. Uh, as soon as the, their why becomes um, aware of the need in their community, it fits so totally with the mission of the why. It's just hand in glove. Um, nothing could be more natural than fitting with this mission of the why and, and we're running this program. You both are about to get on a plane and travel to uh, eventually to Africa. Do you have any cold feet, or, or is there any thinking of, do I really want to do this uh, uh, at this moment in time? It's a little late for that. <laughs> uh, Thank you, John. I wanted you to answer that one first. <laughs> not after coming back from REI. No way, Jose. <laughs> Oh, and they're spending that pile of money you just spent on all the equipment you need to do to climb. I'm sorry, Robert, what was the question? Uh, on, after spending uh, REI, for listeners who may not know, is a, is a store that has equipment uh, that can be purchased. And I'm, I'm assuming you probably bought quite a bit of equipment that will help you on the uh, climb up Mount Kilimanjaro. Is that right? Yeah. it's, a, it's we're, we're, we're into this lock, stock, and barrel. <laughs> so we, but we're bar- we're borrowing a fair bit. One of the the comments that Doug and I, my husband and I, make about life is that uh, adventure is adversity recalled, and I think that uh, this is going to be an adventure. We're going to have a fair bit of adversity, but by the end of it, we'll have stories to tell. I, I think that you know your life is your story, and and so you create stories as you go, and this is going to be one heck of a story to create. Uh, I also sort of think about the way people talk about having uh, kids or getting married. You know, if we knew what we were getting into, we might not have chosen to do it in the first place. But uh, <laughs> here we are. We're going, and we're going to have our adventure. And if it's full of adversity, then we'll talk over the hard times and, and have a good laugh and raise a glass at the end and say what what an amazing experience this has been. I'm just along for the color commentary. <laughs> <laughs> are, are are either of you going to be writing any entries on your daily experience, like uh, yeah. a, a journaling or writing them into a computer? I'm going to be. I, I get a, my a blog rolling for this, along with pictures, sort of like the YouTube things that we did. Oh, that's wonderful. Right. Well, I want to be sure that I can link to that from the Parkinson's Recovery blog so everybody can follow your adventures sure. as you climb up this mountain. And there to be are several, sure, it's, several people. There's there's ways through Alpine Adventures International and through uh, Lori's website that she's going to be posting personal things in, in video right. stuff, and they'll be posting information. And, and, Robert, we can send you the links to that so you can uh, post them. And then I'm sure individuals like John and myself and Others will be doing personal pages. I, I'm just not sure of the electronics that are involved in all that. So um, right. I know somebody knows, but I'm not too good at that. Stuff. Sort of like going around the dark side of the moon, you know. Yeah. <laughs> While we're back there, we don't have any information to send up. As soon as we come back into the light, we'll be uh, live. Yeah, well, that sounds great. Well, yeah. just let me know if you can, whatever website addresses uh, I might lead people to, because I know a lot of people would like to follow your journey and uh, see how you're doing. And then uh, videos that you got, we want to make sure to point people so we can see you in this incredible experience. Who knows how it's going to work, of course, from day to day. So it ought to be quite a quite a story to tell. We are planning on coming back. You, you what? We are planning on coming back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you, did, you weren't going to stay over there then. Oh. Hey, Robert, I just got an email from a person that I met through being on your show last time, and she says, I've been trying to call in to thank you both for the help you've been to me. Unfortunately, I keep receiving the message the number you've dialed is not available in your area at this time. So here, via email, thank you both so much for the positive support you've given me from the get-go. I owed you both... Let's see. I, I, uh, I credit you both with my coping fairly well with the diagnosis of PD. Reading up on all the clinical information was quite a downer, of course, but fortunately I did come across the Parkinson's recovery page almost immediately and also the information, excuse me, 
I'm peddling for Parkinson's. And, yes, I have lost weight and become fitter. I've also registered with Dr. Albert's program. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. People who would like to call in who live in the United States should be able to call the following toll-free number. It's 877-590-0733. If you live outside the United States, you can connect through Skype on your computer, or you can call 347-945-5358 and be able to get through in that way. Well, it's wonderful to hear that... Uh, John Carlin, that's somebody else that apparently experienced one of the downsides of this particular program, which is a loss of weight and improved health. It does health. happen. It does happen, yes. And, well, and you don't even have to ride in Lycra. That's not required. Ah, there you go. There you go. So, you're John, you're going to be leaving to go over there and go straight to Africa, or do you have travel plans uh, that are going to precede that? We're just staying over uh, overnight in uh, D.C. on the way from Denver, and then the next day we'll take off for Ethiopia and point south from there. So we're not going to – we our stopover is on the way back. We're going to catch up with the family. At, with the, who, they're visiting my brother-in-law in North Carolina. And so, Nan, your husband, Doug, is going along with you on this venture, and he's training along with you as well. Is that right? Right, as is John's wife, Martha. That's what I was going to just make, clarify. And so Martha's mm-hmm. going too. Is that right, John? Yeah. And she's training along with you because obviously it's uh, going to be a challenge for everyone. She's my hiking partner, as Doug is with Nan. And, right. And she is she is excited about this, I'm sure, as you are then. Oh, yeah. She's like, <laughs> she's got a cat of nine tails in my rear. She's making sure that she's not going to be the only one in our family at the top. Oh, there you go. Well, is there the expectation that everybody in the group will reach the top, or is the idea that perhaps some people may not quite get all the way up there? Well, they're taking an extra day for us to help us uh, acclimate to the elevation, and, Mm -hmm. of course, the hope is that everybody gets to the top. This outfit, AAI, has a wonderful reputation for getting the group to the top. Oh, absolutely wonderful. Well, what an experience to be lived. I know many people are envious, thinking, I wish I could do that. That sounds absolutely well, A lot bad. of people think we're nuts, too. Yeah, I think I go with the latter. <laughs> why you don't wear? I think I'll go to Destin. Uh. <laughs> right, right. Well, so after this is over, I'm thinking you both are going to probably want to return to Iowa next summer since that's been a routine for you now for several years. Is that right? I'm planning yeah. on it. Absolutely. That it's, sounds like that's that's been quite an experience. Wonderful like corn and soybeans. And Even that if you particular... don't like corn and soybeans, it's a wonderful experience. Yeah, it that's is. Being with that group of people right. is fabulous. Right. And that's something that Jay Alberts, I think, organizes. Is it not that if people yes. want to actually do the ride, no matter where you live, you don't have to be from mm-hmm. Iowa, you can actually contact Dr. Alberts and uh, uh, join in with the group and uh, ride across Iowa on that ride. Correct. Yeah. Right. Now, I don't expect they're full for this year, so... Um. Yeah, it's a little late to be able to do at the moment. Yeah, it's a little late to be able to join in because I know he spends quite a bit of time and effort to schedule places for people to stop in these various right. uh, towns. Yeah. So there's a lot of pl- advanced planning that's actually required in order to make this happen. So uh, yeah. we we sort of call it the edict that comes out of Jay, Dr. Alberts. It's a multi-page he, he document. He tells us all the rules and, and regs and where what we're doing. We just oh, I see. I see. So he's and really the cat. He's the captain of the adventure. Stuff, uh, <laughs> that's, that's absolutely amazing. My goodness. Well, so Nan uh, Little, what else do you want people to be sure and know about the program that's newly established at the Y Pedaling for Parkinson's? Um, what else to know? Uh, if you want to find out about the program, you can by going to the peddlingforparkinsons.org website, and they'll have a link to the Mill Creek Y. They made a wonderful brochure, although it's a little heavy on Nan Little, we all agreed, but they'll get more data as the program goes along and be able to revise me out of it to some extent. Um, uh, just 
you know, keep heart and that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. You don't have to get the diagnosis of Parkinson's and say my life is over. You've got a choice. And there is something one of the first times it. in the history of this disease that you have a choice. So go for it. I know both oh. of you have uh, talked in previous shows about the benefits of exercise, but I want to ask each of you again to tell people why is it that exercise makes such a big difference? Well, I don't think either one of us is particularly qualified to talk about that, Robert. Um, We're neither one of us are neuroscientists, but uh, from my understanding is that it's not just any old exercise, that for some reason the turning the legs at the rate of 80 to 90 RPM and keeping your heart rate within 60 to 80 percent of your maximum heart rate uh, is, is what makes a difference. And the research has shown that if people just pedal at a normal pace, they will get more fit, but they won't have any difference in their Parkinson's symptoms. Uh, what the doctors are positing is that this is uh, having some effect of neural regeneration on the, mm-hmm. the neurons that have died due to Parkinson's disease. So it would, prior to this, it was felt that, or it was they thought that, at any rate, that um, once some cells died in your brain, that was the end of it. So we know that in the Niagara substantia, or substantia Niagara uh, part of the brain that about uh, 80% of the dopamine-producing cells are dead by the time you're actually diagnosed with Parkinson's. And as long as they thought that they just kept on dying and you didn't have any hope, that was the end of the line. Now they're realizing that through this kind of force pace exercise, they're recreating new neural pathways, or that's what they, they appear to be doing, is recreating new neural pathways. So you're actually coming back, and that's uh, fabulous. This is not a cure, but it's certainly a way for keeping the beast at bay. Don't they talk about neuroplasticity, too? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to describe, is neuroplasticity, right. so that so that there is some way that the neurons can develop new nodules. Again, you're not talking to brain scientists here. Well, we play one on TV, though. <laughs> no, the, uh, That'll be our what's next interesting role. is every time I talk to somebody, they'll come up to. I had a woman at our school came up to me and talked to me about her her father. And basically, the first thing I I asked them in the, in the battery of questions is, you know, are they athletically oriented towards like biking or, or walking or or whatever? Because I, I think this program is very, very important as far as helping people. So that's Absolutely. that's my, that's a lot of my main focus. I mean, they always they throw a barrage of questions at you and, and to tell you stories about what he was doing or she was doing and everything. And it's just sort of something that I think is is so important. It's helped me and it's helped Nan and it's helped a lot of other people. That you know, getting the word out is most important and trying to get people involved in this is quintessential. We have as our guest many individuals who talk about a wide variety of therapies, and it's the case that when people try some of these therapies, they're not absolutely clear whether or not that specific therapy has a positive impact on their health, their wellness, and on their symptoms. My question for both of you then is, when you do this kind of forced exercise, is it eminently clear to you that there's a direct connection between doing the exercise and how you feel and your symptoms? Yes. Absolutely. Uh, For me, if I'm feeling really down and having a bad day, having a tough time, uh, I'll call my husband or talk to him and he'll just say, get on your bike. Because within five minutes of getting on my bike, it's like I've just put a plug in the wall and recharged my batteries. I I can't believe that that's a true statement, but it is. That's exactly what happens. I totally agree with Nan. I mean, like I was riding last night at 10.30. And you were riding because you knew it was going to make a difference in how you felt. Exactly, because like this past weekend, my son had a a cross uh, championship tournament, and I was gone from Friday through Sunday, and I knew I had to get back up on a bike for for you know to keep going at the pace I'm going. So as soon as, so when that happened, you know I didn't get home till like nine o'clock, and so I just about an hour later I hopped on a bike and rode for an hour. So it's just it's just it's so embedded in my lifestyle now that no matter what time, early in the morning or late at night, I'm up there 
you know, four days a week doing this. John, is there anything that I haven't asked or we haven't talked about that you want to be sure to bring up now? Um, I, I, I think you guys have covered a lot of this. I, I do a lot of different therapies along with the exercise. I mean, I've been able to reduce my meds like two or three times. Um, I take uh, meds, which have been reduced. I do exercise. I take homeopathics. Um, I do acupuncture. Um, I've got a regular neuro- neurologist who's a movement disorder doctor. So I've got a whole, I do Pilates, I do a whole variety. Nan does a lot of different things also. So I don't think it's just one particular thing that uh, has brought me where I am today. Um, people will ask, you know, when they find out that I got Parkinson's, they go, you got to be kidding. And then when you tell them you've, you're nine years going into ten, um, they just, they're, they're sort of like in disbelief. But I think it's a wide variety of therapies. Um, uh, massage therapy is also in there because we have a tendency to get a little bit more rigid, not necessarily just mentally, but physically too. Um, so there's just a lot of things. The homeopathic side, my my Western doctor doesn't really pay too much credence to that, but um, I think it's part of it. It could be mental with me, but uh, I think it has to do with it. It's a hydration thing. Um, but I just don't stop at one thing. That's, I guess, what I could tell everybody. And go out there and try a, a plethora of stuff. Do your research. Talk to people, that type of thing. So um, I guess that's what I would add to all this. Now, as I understand the story about a year or so ago, you and Nan both uh, were together, and there was a news crew that was uh, interested in interviewing individuals that had the symptoms of Parkinson's. And if I also understand the story correctly, Nan got on the news, but, John, you did not. It's a pretty face story, you know. Oh. Now you'll have to no. tell people why you didn't. Why didn't you get on? The, you both were there. Well, you know Nan, why is it that she is it because she's a woman or what happened? How come you no, didn't get no, on no. the TV? I'll get in big trouble if I even an, even attempt to answer that question. <laughs> um, no, she, she, Nan's an excellent speaker, and she represents our cause very well. And I have a tendency to tell a joke and uh, try and make the interviewer laugh and get the information out at the same time gesture and all this stuff, but Nan's, Nan's much better at, at delivering the spoken word than I am, so um, I think I just sort of scared the news interviewer. I think he definitely scared the interviewer, and she didn't know what to make of it. She didn't quite get his jokes, and uh, I, I'm more accustomed to talking in sound bites, but the real thing is, uh, Robert, I have a tremor. And so they can pan that camera down and see my hand shaking away. So it's obvious I have Parkinson's. John does not have the tremor. So he's just standing there looking like Mr. Normal Guy who does not look like he has Parkinson's in any way, shape, or form. And, you know, what good is that in the news? They have to show somebody who obviously has Parkinson's. So I get to be airtime and his, he's floor time. Well, what was funny was after it's all said and done, I called up Nan. I said, why? What, what happened? She said, you don't have a tremor. And she goes, next time you go on an interview, you better shake your hand or do something like that. <laughs> right. going on. That's right. funny. So, uh, that's why I'm called floor time. Floor yeah, time. He got, he got on the cutting room floor. Right, yeah. right. Cutting room floor. Nan Little, do you have anything else you would like to add that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet? I'd like to thank Dr. J. Alberts for his fabulous work, and uh, frankly, I think he saved my life. I know that he saved my life, and he I would still my. be living, but I'd be just uh, shaking my head sitting in a wheelchair, and, and uh, that's not the kind of life that I live now, and it's really due to him, his research, his personal interests, uh, his willingness to start this nonprofit, Peddling for Parkinson's, and just uh, his his whole way of being has, has changed my life totally. Um, He's a great it's also guy. enabled me to meet, meet people like John. Um, it's you know I've heard Michael J. Fox say that uh, he's glad that he got Parkinson's, and I first thought that he just lied. Um, there are so many positive things that have come out of my life from having Parkinson's that uh, I just can't say enough thank you to Jay. For those of you that have. 
for those of you that have just joined us, I uh, want everyone to know that uh, Jay Alberts was a guest on my show a couple of years ago so that you would like to be able to uh, hear his story of the research that he's been doing. Be sure to listen to that show. If you'd like to be able to get additional information then about establishing a Pedaling for Parkinson's program in your local Y, you can email Nan Little. And to repeat once again, her email address is nan, N-A-N dot little, L-I-T-T-L-E, at comcast, C-O-M-C-A-S-T dot net. We all look forward to being able to be seeing videos of your up-and-coming climb to Mount Kilimanjaro. I can't wait to see what it looks like. We can't either. can't wait to get back. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, really. I bet. The anticipation must be truly overwhelming. Well, Nan Little and John Carlin, I want to thank you both so much for being a guest on the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Show today. Thanks, Robert. Thank you for asking us, Robert. And that's what's happening on the shores of the Puget Sound. As I look at Mount Rainier and think about what in the world the top of Mount Kilimanjaro might look like, where all the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and all the children are truly loved. Know that by virtue of the fact you're listening to this radio show today, that you indeed are on the road to recovery. May you have a magnificent day today, a magnificent week this week. May you join us next week for Bianca, who's an individual who is symptom-free today from the symptoms of Parkinson's, and you'll hear her story of what she does. Good day. The end.